The Women's March made international headlines last year as the largest demonstration in American history. This year's was a bit smaller, but a similar strong message of equality and justice, not just in terms of gender, but in terms of all aspects of society, was pushed through the march. Megan, our correspondent from the Bay Area, has the story. Human rights have been under attack more than ever, and the number of people attending protests and rallies has reached an all-time high. One year after his inauguration, people of all genders, ages, and races are turning out to show their opposition for Donald Trump's administration. This weekend, I joined a crowd at the Women's March in San Jose to express my support for their cause and send a message to Washington. And in this episode, I'll be discussing the Women's March through my own experiences, as well as those of other teams. I'll also be talking about what you as a team can do to make an impact on politics without voting, because as the team at We the People here firmly believes, we can't vote, but we still care. Last year, the Women's March immediately followed Trump's inauguration, uniting millions of people across the country and the world under one cause. This year, on January 20th, it was no different. All around the U.S., people of all backgrounds poured out to show their support for equality and justice on the one-year anniversary of Trump's inauguration and the day after the government shut down. I attended the march in San Jose, where we marched from City Hall to the SAP Center. Of course, I doubt anyone listening is an expert on San Jose geography, but that's about a mile through the downtown area of a pretty crowded city. Walking to the march, armed with a poster and a sense of determination, it was incredibly empowering to be completely surrounded by like-minded and dedicated people who were waving their own signs and chanting. As you might remember from my previous episode about Planned Parenthood, I am a super passionate feminist and strongly believe in women's rights. The amount of solidarity among the crowd was really uplifting to experience, and ultimately, I had a great time. When we reached the final destination of the march, there were singers, speakers, and lots of booths of local community service organizations. To get other opinions and people's experiences at the march, I sat down with some of my friends who also attended to get their perspective. I was truly moving because I've been to a lot of rallies but never had I been to an actual like march where we've marched through the streets and kind of coming together with these like women felt such so unifying and it was just a very unifying experience because you'd look around and you'd see people with these signs and these hats kind of embodying the same ideas that you had and it makes you feel like you know it's you're not isolated you alone don't carry these ideas these are ideas shared by like a multitude of women across the nation and to see that like especially this one, considering the fact it was a nationwide protest and a nationwide rally, I found that truly like to be a unifying factor for like all women. That's Sumi. She's 17 and from Cupertino. Anika, who is also 17 and from Cupertino, shared her similar experience of the march, emphasizing the amount of support across all causes that she witnessed. It was really powerful. Just... Seeing the sheer number of people who turned out, and this was just one of hundreds of protests across the country, and it uh, gave me the feeling that I wasn't alone, and that 
women will come together and it was a women's but there were so many other groups represented and everyone was very supportive of each other um, like some of the chants were for um, were about immigration some were about um, LGBTQ plus rights and it was really cool how everyone was supporting each other I'd like to take a minute to point out that the lack of intersectionality of issues has been a point of criticism for the Women's March, both this year and last. Many say that the Women's March is a form of glorified white feminism in which people, specifically white women, 52% of whom voted for Trump, gloss over issues of race and class in order to refocus the narrative of oppression solely onto gender. The celebration of female genitalia, such as the pussy hats, has also been pointed out as transphobic because not all women have such body parts and not everyone with those body parts identify as women. While I'm glad the march I attended addressed race and class issues at some points, the lack of supporters turning out for such rallies of these causes begs the question of how serious our political participation is. As one sign I saw rhetorically asked, I'll see you at the next Black Lives Matter rally too, right? And now we'll hear from Anusha, who's 16 and from Saratoga. Overall, she was really inspired by her experience at the march. I really liked it. I thought um, it was really empowering to go through it. And also, I thought it was a really valuable experience. I also asked them why they decided to march that day and whether they had any specific causes they wanted to show support. Sumi was marching specifically for reproductive rights. If you want a quick rundown of that, check out my episode, What's Up With Reproductive Rights. Anika, on the other hand, was motivated by the hashtag MeToo movement and the silence breakers, who shed light on the rampant sexual assault that exists today. I'm actually a pretty big advocate in kind of standing up for what you believe in. So I understand that like not everyone has the ability to protest, but I feel like if you are in that position where you com- you can like comfortably go out and kind of show your support, that it'll maybe encourage other women to kind of take a stance and do the same. In school, we've been having these kind of girls and sex talks and kind of talking about Planned Parenthood, birth control, different types of contraception, and kind of seeing the way that our current uh, government is dealing with such problems like reproductive rights and limiting access to funding Planned Parenthood. It was like, it was truly appalling. And so that was probably one of the, it, it was one of the biggest reasons why I was marching. I think that women are just not feeling as, I guess, protected and as comfortable to reach out to their officials as they used to be maybe during the Obama administration because kind of seeing a president who's taking away and advocating defunding Planned Parenthood and these and these kind of like, I guess these places where women are allowed to receive information about birth control, like abortions, like having the right to choose what they want to do with their body and kind of seeing our administration kind of lean away from that and it, it is truly disheartening to see and I don't feel as though women feel as though they're safe under this administration. I've been wanting to attend the Women's March the past couple of years. This year I think it was especially important, especially with the current political climate and all the women coming out about sexual assault. And it just seemed like a way I could take some action and be part of something bigger. The fact that sexual assault still happens is ridiculous. And the fact that men don't get into trouble for it and uh, people don't believe the women, especially if the men are in positions of power, that is just horrible. 
This was Anusha's first protest, and she was curious about the experience and wanted to express her discontent with human rights under the current political climate. I've never been to a women's march before, and I'm interested to see how it is. And I was also interested in seeing the speakers at the end of the march and like seeing all the people's posters. I was just marching in general because of like recent developments of how like our government is acting towards certain marginalized communities and also just like how society treats them. I feel like marching is able to bring those causes to light and also like show progress and also gain like perspective on a lot of people's um, experiences. Given the actions of the Trump administration, it comes as no surprise that many people are rising up to take action. This year, the theme of the Women's March was Power to the Polls, encouraging people to turn out for the 2018 midterm elections, which are crucial to turning the tide in politics today. Voting is one of the best ways you can influence politics, but what about those of us who can't? As a teen, you may feel pretty powerless, looking at politics from the sidelines. But you definitely shouldn't let that stop you. Here are tips from my friends and me on what you can do to take action in the political sphere. 1. Stay informed. This is single-handedly the most important thing you can do as a teen. With the abundance of fake news accessible to us today, staying on top of what's going on in the world is necessary. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you're one step there. To get a more solid and consistent source for the news, Try making time to read the websites of your favorite news sites. Or, like Sumi does, listen to the news on your commute. I listen to my local news channel every morning on my way to school. And I listen to a lot of the radio. So, like, I feel like I spend a lot of time in the car. So the radio and NPR and kind of news sources like that have been a really big um, impact, have played a big impact in my uh, understanding and knowledge. If you're a little more pressed for time, Anika recommends that you subscribe to email newsletters that send you the main headlines for that day. The bare minimum that I do every day is the skim, which you get every day in the morning, and it gives you a rundown on what has happened in the past 24 hours. And then from that, I usually click on any links and read more about the news that I'm specifically interested in. And I also like to keep... Uh, looking at the news section on my phone. In addition to the skim, which I found to be super helpful, another good newsletter is the week's 10 things you need to know today, which gives you the top 10 articles for that day. Two is call your representatives. Once you've found some issues that you care about, make sure you voice those opinions to those who can do something about it. Calling your representatives is a good way to show them how much support an issue has and most congresspeople take tallies of how many calls they receive, which can ultimately influence what they decide to do regarding the legislation in question. Here's Anika with her experience calling her local representatives. As part of my school sustainability club, we often call uh, senators or representatives or other government officials to voice our support for different bills. One resource that I use when calling my representatives is the website fivecalls.org that encourages you to call Congress five times a day. After you enter your zip code, it'll provide you with contact information for your senators, representatives, and any other important people, as well as a script for your phone call in case you don't know what to say. Three is attend rallies and protests. The amount of support showing up for the Women's March was overwhelming, 
and to further spread your message, it's crucial to gather the same amount of resistance at other events. Remember that the Women's March isn't just an opportunity to post on Instagram or to wear pink, and that to be a true activist, you really have to show up for as many protests as you can. Rallies are a great way to voice your opinion and ultimately demonstrate your support for the ideas that you believe in. Four is volunteer for campaigns. With the 2018 midterms coming up, campaigns are ramping up for the election season. Most candidates try to have a student advisory council of some sort, providing a great opportunity for you to get hands-on experience of what it's like being on the campaign trail, whether you're canvassing your local neighborhoods or registering voters. Here, Sumi shares a little bit about her experience as a campaign volunteer. During the 2016 election, I was heavily involved in uh, advocating for the Bernie Sanders campaign. So I ended up going um, door to door, ended up holding campaigning events where you'd kind of just sit and cold call other, these other states, advocating for your candidate and explaining his values to those of like, especially swing states or states that had a really big impact in the primaries. It, this was kind of like a catalyst to my like political experience because I had never really opened myself to the world of politics per se. I'd listened to the news and I'd you know, I'd wake up at 7.30, listen to the news on my way to school, and that would be kind of be the extent of my political experience. But once I was kind of out there and exposed to, like, these different people with different backgrounds who were genuinely affected by policy, I was like, I have to get involved somehow. Because, I mean, I feel like it's my duty, it's my, like, civic duty to put myself in those situations that maybe it's not helping me, per se, but it will be helping, like, a larger community. So definitely being part of the Bernie Sanders campaign, it, it was a total catalyst to my overall political involvement. Five is pre-register to vote. Many states offer the opportunity for people under 18 to pre-register to vote, which means that when you turn 18, you'll be automatically registered to vote. Make sure to double check what your state's requirements are and pre-register as soon as possible. With many of us becoming eligible to vote in this year's midterms, I highly encourage you to pre-register so that you're ready to go by the time election day rolls around. Watching everything happening around you, it's pretty common to feel helpless and disheartened in the face of politics today. Voting is the most immediate thing you can do to make an impact, but for teens and other groups who can't, political participation isn't just possible, it's necessary. For me, I'm counting down the days until I turn 18 and am able to vote, but until then, I'll keep doing everything I possibly can to continue making an impact on politics. I hope after listening to this episode, you'll do the same. That's all we have for you today. I'm Megan Huynh, and I'll see you next time on We the People. Thanks to Megan, and thanks for listening. To get more WTP content, check out our website, wethepeoplepodcast.com. Highlights from the blog include a high school senior solutions to the issue of student debt and an op-ed about the politics of saying the Pledge of Allegiance in schools. We the People is hosted by me, Zora Lunga-Reed. This episode was edited, recorded, and produced by Megan Quinn. Our theme is by the mysterious and wonderful Breakmaster Cylinder. Our cover art is by Cece Wong with help from Naomi Wan-Kenobi. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, have a great week.